This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome in to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 as well on your FM dial. It is Thursday, September the 1st, which means football is in full swing in the high school slate kicks off tomorrow. So to kick off our season, we're going to visit with our good friend Josh Homolka, the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, and our weekly Bearcat segment that is brought to you by the Ellsworth Co-op and Ampride Convenience Store. They know what it takes as a team effort to be successful both on the field and in the classroom. And they wish the boys and girls at Ellsworth High School the best in every game and support the teachers, parents, and administration in all they do. The Ellsworth Co-op and Ampride Convenience Store are proud to serve the Ellsworth area. Go Bearcats! Well, welcome in Coach Homolka right now. Coach, first off, thanks for joining us. Long time no talk, right? It's been a forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're we're excited to go and glad you guys uh Ellsworth Co op sponsors this and you guys have us on, so we appreciate it. Yeah, they're good folks over there. They love their Bearcats, and for good reason. Obviously, with the season kicking off tomorrow, there's a lot to be excited about. And I know you and your team have been working hard to just continue moving forward after maybe a bit of a frustrating 2021. I know looking back on it, it might make your blood boil a little bit with four losses by one possession. But does that provide a bit of of a learning moment for your team when you look back at last season and the ways you can improve? Well, you look at who we had playing. We have all the same guys playing, uh, you know, and they're a year older and a year stronger. This will be the first season that we actually get to play guys that are probably are the same size. These guys didn't play JV their first two years. They were out playing varsity reps. So I don't think that can do anything but help us. Absolutely, and and you play a tough challenge uh, every week, really, being in the NCAA and in, in the way your district is formed, but I, I feel like all that experience from a year ago, you, you've got to see a lot of dividends there. So tell me what you've seen growth-wise from your group in the practices leading up to week one and what you expect to see out of them this season. You know, these guys, it's just picking up where you left off. It, it hasn't been a ton of teaching. Um, we're getting a lot better at you know, you got guys who've done the same thing for the last two years, so you're not uh, having to restart. And and uh, it's just it's a lot smoother this season. They know they know all the terminology, and then when you got eleven guys on both sides of the ball who know all the terminology, that it's a lot easier for the freshmen um, instead of having to rely on freshmen to make up the bulk of your team and and play the bulk of the reps like we have. Uh, the last two years, you know, we're going to have a sophomore on the offensive line, but everybody else is juniors. Uh, got a couple seniors going to help us out, and um, we're really excited. It's going to be a fun couple years. Absolutely, and again, uh, this group, you've got so many guys that saw uh, some reps last year in, in a, a season that you finished 2-7, and seven, but you finished on a positive note, and a really good one with a 42 to nothing win over Syracuse. Did that last win of the year kind of help to provide a springboard into the off season, into the summer weights and everything that you do that leads up to this year? If you look at our uh, schedule last year and the years prior, uh, somebody played out of our district in the state championship the last four or five years. 
so we've played the best in the state week in, week out. And then going into another district, you know, we're going to keep it close. And uh, we're going to be in it to win it the last couple of years. Um, you know, I felt good. At, you know, it came down to the last game of the season. We we had a chance to make the playoffs, and I felt good going down and playing anybody in that uh, in the district we were matched up with. So we have a good core of football players. Um, you look at a guy like Leighton Liker. He started for us as a freshman at middle linebacker at about 120 pounds, and now he's at free safety, uh, strong safety type guy at 165 pounds. So in addition to, to Leighton Liker, who are some of the guys that we're going to see that, that have grown in their roles and what you've seen from them in terms of improvement, maybe in the weight room, leadership-wise, and just their overall understanding of what they're doing in your system? Uh, the whole junior class, I mean, they're a tight group. Uh, there's 14, I think, of them. They're a tight group, but, the, you know, there's some guys that really stand out. A guy like Brendan Anderson, he was 100% out the weight room. Jordan Rodriguez is highly skilled. Guys really like how hard he plays and how tough he is. Um, Loden West, has, he, he had a foot injury at the beginning of summer, but he's came and he was squatting 450 pounds when that happened. And now he's he's back and he's I mean he hasn't he hasn't missed a beat. Weighs about two hundred and two hundred and five pounds. I mean these guys are they have a lot different bodies than uh they did last year as sophomores playing and they played a bulk of the down. So it's just it, it we're a lot different looking football team than we were last year. Awesome. Well, that that should fire the folks around Ellsworth up with the the season ahead of you. And obviously, you got to go out there and earn it each week. But some really good opportunities ahead of you this season, starting tomorrow with the game against Beloit. What do you need to see from your group week one to know you're right on track for where you want to be and to start the year on the right foot? Uh, Just execution, game plan, uh, base plays. The other thing we're going to have to first game there's always a lot of turnovers we hold on to the ball and we make make good decisions we're going to be all right um we're just really excited there's a you know i think they're coming in ranked number three uh, it's a way to you know have everybody take a look at the bearcats start the season absolutely catch everybody's eyes and and start the year off strong coach i appreciate your time as always but before i let you go my last question for this season as a whole regardless of wins and losses what do you need to see from your group to consider 2022 a success oh i think it's just a weekend week out deal um there's a few guys that kind of built this thing up that coached these guys for a long time when they were younger. Uh, one of my assistants, Kenny Cravens, um, uh, Scott Hip, has done a lot with them. Uh, Ryan Weber. Those guys have all put in a ton of time, whether it was baseball, football, uh, or basketball. They just put in a lot of time with this this group of, of students. And uh, I think they're just ready to go. They're just ready to ready to get after it and success will be defined each week awesome well coach i'm looking forward to keeping up with you and your team each week throughout the season again big thanks to our sponsors of our weekly ellsworth bearcat chat the ellsworth co-op and Ampride convenience store they're big supporters of ellsworth athletics but coach hamolka thanks so much for your time and good luck all right i appreciate it
All right, we'll take a quick time out. When we return, we'll be joined by John Betts of the Kansas Pregame Magazine to continue our high school football previews here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial here on In the Zone on Thursdays. We are brought to you by In My Home, the home health division of OCCK, your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical, speech, and occupational therapy, all provided in the comfort of your home. Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality health services. And we'll continue with our high school football preview stuff as we just talked with Josh Homolka, the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats. And we'll be broadening our scope a little bit here as we welcome in John Betts from Kansas Pregame. John, thanks so much for the time, and and I'm looking forward to to getting this thing kicked off. How about you? Yeah, it's uh, always one of my favorite times of the year. Um, I've loved high school football since I was a little, little boy. I have I have memories of six and seven years old of going to watch my brother play for Smith Center and uh, tremendous excitement surrounding it. And then, of course, as a as a player, the um, the excitement that builds up over the course of the week and and the anticipation and and later I coached at a handful of different high schools and um, and then you know you hope that the weather starts to get cooler. Of course, it's been pretty hot, uh, which I, 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 the, the older I get, the more I worry about things. I worry about heat. I worry about concussions. You know, uh, the younger, uh, the younger John Betch was, was just mostly interested in, uh, the physical aspect of the game and watching guys hit each other. And, uh, but now I also worry about safety and all those kind of things that go along with it. But regardless, it's my favorite time of the year, and I'm very excited to see it get started. And this week, it's not just week one, but there's it seems like a little extra, I guess, oomph behind week one this year. There's so many good games across the state, and specifically for us here in, in Salina, I mean, we get the Mayor's Cup tomorrow night, and uh, we, we get... Uh, southeast of Saline and Rock Creek. There's so many good games around Salina. What are you looking forward to most week one matchup-wise? Well, it, like you said, there's there are a lot of good games. Um, the, the, the biggest thing that I look for in week one is starting to get that gauge of, um, you know, is, is Rossville, do they return the pieces to – to come back and uh, defend their, you know, their two-time defending 2A state champions, Olpe. They look like they've graduated quite a bit of experience out of 1A. You know, are they gonna, um, are they gonna be able to reload after winning a pair of uh, both football and basketball state championships in back-to-back seasons? What an amazing story for for an incredibly small school, and that you know they have an, a very interesting test against. Uh, private school power Topeka Hayden to open the the year, which is is one game that I think everybody has their eyes on. I think it's also exciting this year to see six man uh, be acacia sanctioned sport uh, after a handful of years where they just kind of operated on their own. Uh, I think there's a lot of area schools that are going to benefit the Southern Cloud, uh, Tescott. 
chase teams of the world that could really benefit from being part of, of six man. And, and some of those teams have some players back that could help them be successful right away in that classification. So there's a lot of things to watch for. Um, but those are just I, – I, I look at the bigger picture, I think, more than specific games. I mean, certainly, certainly there are games, um, you know, that are marquee. But I am watching for who's starting to fill in holes to graduation. How do they, how do they fit into the, uh, to the playoff picture? I mean, it's crazy. You know, I'm constantly looking at the playoff picture and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's uh, – even though I'm excited for individual games – I can get excited about any game in the state of Kansas for some reason, like Clay Center and Wamigo. Wamigo is a team that is has the chance to be very good in 4A, but Hayden Oviat gets hurt. And so they head into this week one with that question mark of how are they going to replace that superstar quarterback? And they play a rival in Clay Center that they played to a three-overtime uh, win last year, 47-41 in a dramatic fashion, you know, that's a that's a game that I'm interested in that maybe a lot of people, a lot of other people are not interested in uh, just simply because I know some of those detailed storylines like that. So there's a lot of excitement surrounding uh, a variety of games. And there's a lot of interesting twists. I know you and I had, had kind of briefly talked about El Celine before we brought you on air. I mean, they go down to eight-man for the first time, and they've got a lot of athletes, and they bring a lot back, but there is an interesting twist going from 11-man to eight-man there. Uh, th- that's one that I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on. What do you see in that whole concoction with Coach Joe Roach and the, the Cardinals going down to eight-man for the first time? Well, I think El Celine was going to be a pretty solid 11-man team. Um, you know, they, they actually did play eight man in the I think they changed to 11 man in the mid 90s and they were uh, they were pretty successful eight man team now that's years ago now so it's uh, doesn't have any impact on on the current kids and the current coaches and that kind of thing but uh, I think they were going to be a pretty solid 11 man team a lot of experience and I've actually because I live so close to them I've actually watched El Celine play several times over the last many years um and the one thing is, is that regardless of how much experience or talent they have, they always are really physical. They really play hard. They hit, they tackle. And I think they're probably going to make an immediate impact. I think they, you know, the, everybody says the key to the eight man game is to have a couple of kids that are really, really fast because the field is a little bit more open. And certainly that's, that's true. I mean, frankly, it's, probably true for any level of the sport if you've got if you've got a burner then you have a chance to be successful but I also think that the physical aspect is a is an important part of it too you know the best teams wear down the opponent over the course of a game by constantly going at them and going at them and going at them and I think Elseline's going to do that and then I also think that they have a couple of uh, pieces that do provide that speed that they need and they could they could be an immediate contender in the classification they really could. There's several other teams in our area as well that kind of move classes and, and improve their chances as well. One team that didn't probably need to move down to 2A to compete at a high level is is southeast of Saline. I mean, they were, for my money, one of the best teams in 3A a season ago, and now they go down to 2A. And preseason ranking-wise, they're already number one. So what do you see from the Trojans this year, and, and do they have a chance to grab a 2A title? 
Well, I think they were pretty much consensus the second best team in 3A last year. Um, played Andale close for two and a half quarters, and then, you know, Andale, the juggernaut that they are, just eventually wore them down. Uh, they have pieces in key spots. You know, the Gephardt twins, Michael Murray, one of the fastest players in the state of Kansas, now holds the Northwest Missouri State offer. Um, they did, you know, they did get hurt along the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, the loss of Matthew Rodriguez at the linebacker position, really one of the great linebackers in all classifications, one of the great wrestlers in in, in, this, in the country. Um, so they're going to have to replace those pieces. But I just think they're battle-tested from their, their run at 3A, Last year, great game with Cheney in the playoffs, played Andale uh, hard, matched up with them almost as good as anyone in the last five, six years against Andale. I think that as long as they keep those key players that we're talking about healthy, uh, you know, the the, the uh, quarterback, Gephardt quarterback is efficient, intelligent, a coach's son. Gephardt receiver is there to be the, you know, one of the favorite targets. And then, Murray provides that speed element, but I think this is a very deep classification. Uh, Beloit is going to be very good. Uh, they return a huge offensive line that's very physical. Uh, Kingman is going to be really good, and both those teams played in the semifinals of uh, 2A last year before Beloit won and went on to state, but Beloit was riddled with injuries and still really gave Rossville a pretty solid game in that matchup. Um, and and I just think top to bottom, the the two A classification uh, is probably the deepest of all the classifications. It should be a lot of fun. I know uh, I'm looking forward to to following it all and checking in with you, John. Real quick before we let you go, let the people know where they can find you and all, all the great things you do at Kansas pregame. Sure, you can go to kansaspregame.com, um, check out some different content that we'll be doing from time to time. We're going to do some rankings on a weekly basis, uh, and then also check out Kansas Pregame. We're most active on Twitter on social media. That's you know we're gonna we're gonna make multiple tweets in any given day about a variety of topics. So, you know the funny thing is. I'm starting to think about basketball and wrestling now. I actually just sent out all my basketball <laughs> questionnaires earlier this week, and I have over 150 basketball questionnaires back already. So we want to be sure and do the best preseason coverage that there is out there. So we're looking ahead to that as well. So KansasPregame.com, uh, and you can find everything you need on there. Awesome stuff. John Betts, Kansas Pregame, here on In the Zone. John, thank you so much for the time. We'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. We'll take a quick time out here on In the Zone when we come back. We'll be joined by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Welcome back into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial for a Thursday edition of the show, which means during football and basketball season, Thursdays are dedicated to one of our favorite guests. It's the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, uh, brought to you by our friends over in Ellsworth and Nimnik True Value Hardware. And Brian, thanks to them and thanks to you for joining us today. 
great to be on with you, buddy. Always a pleasure, Jason. And uh, excited to talk about these Kansas Jayhawks and all the buzz that's building around KU football. Yes, I, I wanted to to start off by saying that first of all, because I, I feel like this is the most buzz we've had around KU football in a long time. And I, and I, I know that the, the wins and losses haven't been there through that first season under Coach Leipold, but I think that a lot of people are starting to take notice of what he's building there over in Lawrence. Yeah, you know, if you just look at 2-10 and 10 from an outsider's standpoint, you didn't follow it week to week, you might think it was a ho-hum first year. But when you consider that, that one of those wins was the first ever road win in Austin, Texas, and then they had Oklahoma on the ropes, mm-hmm. were it not for a bizarre you know, forward lateral type handoff, uh, a situation that, that uh, it looked like Kansas got a stop and they were going to get the upset. You had also chances where TCU beat us on a last-second field goal in Fort Worth. West Virginia was right there neck and neck in the end. I mean, this is a much different football team in the second half of last season. And that was not at all surprising and coincidental when you consider that the new coaching staff didn't come in until after spring football. And so they were still installing things that would have gotten done four months earlier when camp you know, got underway August the 1st last fall. And so it's no surprise that it was mid-season before they really started to click. But now you fast forward a full year, and it's been 16 months since Coach Leipold's staff arrived. And I think that continuity, uh, the consistent messaging, the establishing of, of their culture here is going to pay big dividends because the feel around this program is just night and day different a year later. They've created a culture of competition and, and really, you know, forced incumbents returning players to be pushed every day in practice because they brought in so many dang talented guys uh, from the portal. 14 portal editions, nearly half as many of those guys could wind up being starters. And those that aren't starting uh, are going to get regular reps in the rotation. It was a top 25 rated portal class even before they added a, a Louisville transfer at offensive line just last week. So it's it's been a really impressive summer uh, and spring to, to see what they've done to bolster the roster and, and create greater competition. And then, you know, it wasn't just adding new faces. It was protecting the ones that you had. I think when the transfer portal really took off two years ago, we were concerned around Kansas that this would be a rich get richer, poor get poorer type scenario mm-hmm. because Les Miles late in his tenure, I mean, we lost three players on defense to SEC schools. And we thought, geez, are we going to have guys pilfered every time we get somebody good? But Leipold's come in and created a type of culture that guys want to stay and be a part of. Getting Kenny Logan to commit, uh, recommit that is, uh, you know, be part of it these last couple of years was key. And you look at it, Jackson, they didn't lose a single player on their two deep at the end of last season. They, they lost uh, j- just a, a defection here or there that was on the three deep that combined for a total of 12 career FBS starts. That's what was going out the door uh, in terms of, of guys leaving, non-graduates. Coming in the door, 107 career FBS starts. You know, secondary bolstered by players from Michigan State and Purdue. Linebacking core bolstered by a star from Ohio State. He's a star there, but he's going to star for us. The point is, you know, these are guys that are coming right away as plug-and-play, immediate impact players. You look up front at Lonnie Phelps, who was a second-team All-Mac player at Miami of Ohio. Um, the Casco linebacking core was all Sunbelt there at Louisiana. He's going to be an immediate impact guy. And, and on the other side of the ball, it wasn't an FBS starter, but 
just down the road at Central Missouri, Dominic Cooney was a great offensive lineman that here has stepped into the left guard role, and he is the buzz on that offensive line. Yes, Bostic and Nowitzki and some of those guys are back, but everybody's raving about Dominic Cooney. And so I think Lance Leipold was able to add as many as six day one starters in the portal, but make all those returning starters push just a little bit harder because practice every day got that much tougher. And suddenly when Kenny Logan looks to his right and looks to his left, there's real dudes next to him. And it's not just a foregone conclusion that he's the best player in our secondary or that he's going to you know, take over X, Y, and Z because now he's got guys to help him out. and He's got guys pushing him every day. I think that's big. Uh, you know, receivers, the one area where I think it kind of remains to be seen what it's going to look like, but Doug Emelian comes in from Minnesota. Obviously, running back is just the opposite. We have more than, than, than what we need there, quite frankly. There's five guys yep. who could lead in rushing on any given Saturday, and that's the area of greatest depth on this team. But I think by and large, as I look around the various position rooms, with the exception of receiver, which clearly has some capable guys, every single position is more stocked than it was a year ago and more talented, bigger, faster, stronger, significantly than it was at this time last season. And that's a, that's a great place to be, no doubt. Absolutely it is. And, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the running back room, which is crowded to a certain extent because there, there's only going to be so many plays in a, in a ball game and so many carries. But that that competition has to be really good for a guy that Kansas fans may already be really familiar in, in Devin Neal. But then also guys like Kai Thomas, who comes in with – Tons of experience and success from Minnesota and Sevion Morrison and I, I know there's several others, but like that success breeding success at the running back position could certainly help with maybe what you have in question marks at, at wide receiver, right? Yeah, I, I agree and, and I think it's gonna be interesting to see what Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, does in, in going multiple a lot and from a play by play guy's perspective, we're gonna have the binoculars out with these multiple back sets and okay, did Jalen head off to his right or to his left? Did he keep it? Is it going to be a pitch play? Uh, is it read option? Is it stretch zone? I, I think they're going to keep defenses guessing. And, and as me, the guy calling plays eight stories up, it's going to be a challenge to see where's that ball going. Cause he's going to have, you know, some diamond formations. There's going to be some, you know, three back sets where the third back is the quarterback, but each of the three could, could tote the rock on that given snap. And so I think that's going to be exciting with, with, with jet sweeps and all kinds of interesting things that give you a greater run pass balance on what they've had, but also the type of keep you on your, on your heels or on your toes, I guess, uh, offensive play calling where the defense truly doesn't know where the rock's going on any given snap. So that's exciting. I think uh, on top of the names you mentioned, Daniel Hyshaw's back after missing last season due to injury. He had a tremendous camp. Tory Lachlan's not going away anytime soon. The redshirt junior out of Rockdale, Texas. He's a, a dual threat type guy out of the backfield. And so, yes, Devin Neal and Kai Thomas, the, the two former, you know, Kansas player of the years out of Lawrence High and Topeka High, they're the front runners. But on any given day, Lachlan, Aisha, Morrison, they could all step up and be big for you. And then obviously Jalen Daniels, at quarterback, has, has uh, had a great fall camp in solidifying his role as QB1. But Jason Bean had a tremendous fall camp too. And I don't know that, that it was ever in doubt that, that J.D. was going to be the starter. 
But Jason had certainly a handful of days where he was the better quarterback in fall camp. And it wasn't because Jalen was letting up. It was because Jason's playing some of the best football of his career. And you know this, Jackson. You look around college football right now because of the portal. A lot of times when guys are named the backup, they immediately look for the greener pasture. Mm-hmm. They're immediately looking to transfer. Kansas's ability to hang on to both these guys, considering that Bean had nine starts a year ago and started at North Texas before that, it's a leg up on a lot of our competition to have two proven major conference quarterback starters and, and thus, you know, whether they want to use Jason Bean in a complimentary role with some special design play calls and packages for his speed, or if heaven forbid something were to happen to Jalen, Jason's ready. Uh, that's a nice positional, uh, you know, I guess blessing to have two guys like that that are both so capable and both significantly experienced at that position. Absolutely. Now, could we possibly see both Jalen and Jason Bean tomorrow night when KU takes on Tennessee Tech to open up their season? I know it's it's week one, and a lot of teams do a lot of interesting things when it comes to, to their starting quarterbacks just to get guys reps, especially when you're taking on maybe a, an FCS opponent. Is, is that a possibility to see both of them tomorrow night? I think it is. Certainly, if, if Kansas has a big lead in the fourth, Jason will take over. I think there's a chance you could see him before that. At the same time, they don't want to show too much with West Virginia watching and looming large eight days later uh, in in a Big 12 conference game in week two. But I I do think, as I alluded to, there will be play calls and packages designed to get his speed, Jason's speed, on the field. Dude just glides when he has the ball. Watching him run, the long strides he takes, and the pace with which he gets there – it's impressive, and they want to find a way to use that, not to the point where you're throwing Jalen Daniels out of rhythm or giving him any reason to look over his shoulder, but there's, there's good mutual respect between these two, and Jalen gets it, that Jason can still help us in certain ways, and so I'll be curious to see what that looks like. You may not see it to its fullest because they're trying to keep some, some cards close to the vest with you know not only West Virginia in Morgantown in week two, but then at. Houston, a top 25 team in week three, they may be a little more vanilla, but yeah, I'd expect to see both guys. And hopefully we see both guys because you know, Kansas builds a big lead with the first string offense in there. And, and, and you see Jason get extended playing time in the, uh, in the fourth quarter for Kansas. And again, the Jayhawks take on Tennessee Tech tomorrow night. The second year in a row, the Jayhawks are opening up on a Friday night, which is an interesting twist, Brian. Uh, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of like excitement building towards that first real Saturday, but Kansas gets a leg up. They get to do it on Friday night under the lights and kind of build their own fun environment. Do you like the Friday night kickoff to the season? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of fun. I, I know for some that are high school football fans, it's frustrating uh, as, as you have to choose one or the other. But for Kansas, from a, from a national you know exposure standpoint, this is a good move. You don't have nearly as many uh, games competing with you uh, if, if you want to get somebody tuned in to watch your program and what you're building. But, yeah, it's it's fun to have it for back-to-back years. Before that, you got to go all the way back to the 1940s and, and a 47 and nothing win over Washburn the last time we played on a Friday night prior to last year, and now we've done it in back-to-back years. I don't know that it's here to stay, but in an era where we're trying to be seen and recognized more, uh, it's nice to have somewhat of a standalone game there, and, and hopefully we'll, 
will show out well with some extra eyeballs watching tomorrow night. Again, we're joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, brought to you by Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Brian, looking at this Tennessee Tech team, I'm on paper, this is a game that Kansas should win, but last year, KU kind of had to work towards the very end of the game to get a win over South Dakota. How much further along is this team, and are we going to have to, I guess, work for it again, or is Kansas going to be able to put this away against a team that struggled a little bit in the FCS last year? Well, even if they put it away, they will have worked for it, no doubt. And and yet I totally get where you're coming from. I think this is an opponent that if Kansas is as improved as we all want to believe they are, you should be able to assert yourself a little bit, put the hammer down, and remind them who the Big 12 major conference team is. I recognize in saying that in the last decade there have been numerous examples where fingernails have been bitten and and fans have been antsy and in some cases we flat out lost uh it's some of these fcs and and lower level you know conference teams that that we had no business losing to if if the program was where it needed to be bottom line was it wasn't now i think it's starting to become that and if it is as as far along in its progress as we hope it is this is the type of game that you should control start to finish I'm not saying you go down and score at will with seven on every drive, but you should move the chains every time you touch the ball. You should move it into their side of the field. You should come away with seven or three. You should be able to disrupt their offense with your pass rush and, and win that battle up front in the trenches with Lonnie Phelps bringing the heat and Malcolm Lee and some of these guys. Now, they've got a great quarterback transfer from Memphis who before that played at Austin P. Oates Falls, a kid that uh, comes over with the new O.C., and, and it's a little tougher to scheme when you've got a new play caller and a new quarterback. But um, I, I do think Kansas is still, at, at every position group, the superior athletic team. And while that's not meant to slight the opponent at all, it is meant to say that, yeah, if, if, if what I say about how much better we've gotten across the board is true, this is a game where there should be some tangible separation because of that. So I hope to see the Jayhawks put them away you know, entering the fourth, I hope to see some twos out there on the field with about seven minutes to go and not having to engineer a late game, game winning drive like Jason Bean had to last season in the opener, uh, which, which was a little bit scary, but they were able to get it done versus South Dakota. So that's, that's what I hope we'll see. And, and, uh, I think there's a great chance of that should things go according to plan and, and should all these new pieces fit together in the fashion that we expect them to. Again, we're joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. Brian, you, you mentioned some of these new pieces. There, we've we've mentioned several of them over the course of this interview. But if you had to pick one that you were most excited to see in action on Friday, who's the one that fans should circle in their programs and be on the lookout for tomorrow night? Well, I, th- I think I've mentioned him like four times now, so forgive me for being redundant. But Lonnie Phelps, number forty-seven, he wears the same number as Jared Casey but he plays defensive end, and he was second-team All-Mac at Miami of Ohio. He looks like a young Jackson Schneider in his prime. He's 6'3", 245, barrel-chested. He has biceps for days. His biceps look like my hamstrings, Um, and and he's quick off the edge. Had 14 sacks in in 29 games at Miami of Ohio. Um, You know, last year, a TFL monster. But uh, he's been all-conference in, in back-to-back seasons there in the MAC. I think he steps in and is an immediate 
a monster on the edge for Kansas. I think Craig Young at linebacker complements Rich Miller really well. And Taiwan Berryhill's had a tremendous camp. I, I think he's a guy that, that is a, a returnee that, that we should keep our eyes on, according to Coach Leipold. But amongst the, the guys offensively that are newcomers, you're not going to like salivate over the great blocking of the left guard. But Dominic Pooney, every man, every single person I've talked to to a man has mentioned Pooney's name at some point or another as a guy that's really stood out. And then I don't know that a million at receiver is ready to, to break out right away. This is a, a late transfer from Minnesota that, that had a good fall camp, and he's a, he's a really good athlete. But he's still working on his route running. He's still getting chemistry with the quarterbacks. But, but look for number five because – in some ways, he just looks different athletically. And, and I think, um, you know, over the course of the season, it may not be till October, um, maybe November when he really starts to break out. But that's, a, that's an addition in the receiving core, which is a position of need for Kansas that will have opportunity. What does he do with that opportunity? That's what we'll find out tomorrow night. Absolutely. Tomorrow night, uh, 7 o'clock, right, Brian, kickoff? 7 o'clock, 5.30 on the pregame show. Awesome. So I hope you're yep. tuning in on the Jayhawk Network. Absolutely. We'll have that on our sister station, Y93.7, from start to finish tomorrow night. But, uh, Brian, before I let you go, why don't you give a shout-out to our good friends over in Ellsworth that help us uh, get you on each week. Yeah, I make True Value Hardware back for a second year of these reports. Really appreciate Sean and uh, his son is my buddy Riker Nimnik he's a future Jayhawk star whether it's football or basketball we don't know yet but family owned and operated some of the best customer service you'll ever have and uh, they've always got deals and specials going on at Nimnik True Value Hardware if they don't have what you're looking for they'll help you find it if you've got questions about a DIY project they'll talk you through it it's that type of operation check them out today just down the road in Ellsworth Nimnik True Value Hardware. Thanks to Sean for being back on board again this year with these Jayhawk reports. Always a pleasure, Jackson. Great to see you, buddy, uh, earlier this summer, and great to talk with you today. Absolutely. Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, who joins us each week on Thursdays here on In the Zone. That's going to wrap up our show for today. Big shout-out to Coach Josh Homolka, the head coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, and John Betts of Kansas Pregame, who joined me on the show earlier as well. We'll be back at it tomorrow with our high school football preview edition for the week at 515. I'm Jackson Schneider, and this is In the Zone on 1150 KSAL.